0: Let me start out by saying that you have been saved for ministry. You have been saved for ministry. The Bible says it is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan long before the world began. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 from the Living Bible. Isn't that amazing that God has saved you from ministry and that he had all of this in mind before you were even born. Uh, When we start talking about the infinite knowledge and capacity of God and how long he's been around, not just for time but for eternity, it's just something that boggles our mind, but to think that he thought of you and me in the far, far stretches of past eternity, You have been saved for ministry, for service. Secondly, you've been called into ministry. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verse 1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You were called. Paul's not talking just to preachers. Uh, He's talking to the whole church. And he's saying that you have been called to ministry. But what we specifically want to talk about over the next couple of weeks, three weeks, is that you have been shaped for ministry. Read these verses with me. They come out of Job. Job is is perhaps, well he is one of the most ancient writers in the Bible. He comes probably from the time of Abraham, somewhere in that sphere. And we know all about Job and the suffering that he went through. But in in his book that he wrote, he shares these verses in Job 10, verses 8 and 9. I want you to read them with me, and then we'll just stop for a minute. I want you to think about it. Here we go. Let's read it together. Your hands shaped me and made me. Remember that you molded me like clay. That's, that's you there in the picture. When Jeremiah uses the same analogy of God being the potter and us being the clay, he talks about how he is shaping something. And it's not that God makes mistakes but in in that picture that Jeremiah uh, shows to the people, the the potter stops in the middle of the process because the pot isn't quite quite like what he wants it to be and he smashes it and puts it back down, and starts all over again. Some of, all of us, are do-overs. We're all do-overs. And God doesn't waste a hurt. Some of the biggest things that have shaped me in ministry is the hurts. Can I tell you about a real big one? I was in a church 25 years ago where in a congregational meeting somebody got up and started to attack me and basically they said this church used to have a hot pulpit but basically, buddy, you don't know how to preach. And he went on and on and on. And I just, I wish wish there was a trap door in the floor that I could have gotten out of there. But there wasn't. And, and I went home the most... I can't even describe to you how I felt inside. You know what happened? Just a couple weeks later, I got a letter from the secretary of the Christian and Missionary Alliance asking me asking me, who can't preach worth a lick, to be the speaker, get this, at the communion and healing service at our general council in Denver, Colorado, to an audience of two, 3,000 people. I, stood, I opened that letter and I read it and I, I cried and I laughed at the same time. Have you ever done that? It's just like, whoa, what's that all about? In the weeks that followed, I was preparing my sermon to preach at council, and one night, and and this seemed to just happen several nights in a row as I was preparing my sermon on healing, you know. Boy, I needed a big dose of that. Um, I was preparing my sermon, and my mind flashed back to an incident that had taken place when I was in college at St. Paul Bible College years before I had a professor by the name of Dr. John F. Gates. John had been a victim of cerebral palsy or something like it from the day he was born. He had to have his wife or anybody who could help him do everything for him. He couldn't dress himself. He couldn't eat by himself. He couldn't do the essentials of life by himself. And quite often, my friend Bob Biggs and I used to go across the street from St. Paul Bible College to where his house was, and we would pick him up, and we would bring him over to the college. His office was right across the street from his house. And Bob and I would get under one arm. He couldn't walk by himself. He had just one of these little rolly kind of wheelchairs. And so Bob would be under one arm, and I'd be under the other arm of Doc Gates. He couldn't have weighed much more than about 110 pounds, if that. And and we would go down his sidewalk, Turn on the public sidewalk, across the street, and about halfway down his sidewalk, he would say, "Let's run!" <laughs> and so Bob and I would hoist him up, we would get his feet off the ground about that far, and old Doc's legs would just go flinging like this. It was just, it was just wild. He would he would just laugh for joy, and uh, we we would. Uh, we would get to the other side and get to the school building and put him in his chair and so my mind flashed back to that. I was preparing this sermon for for counsel, and I happened to be going to the passage in in uh, the King, book of Kings, where Elijah had just performed that great miracle and called fire down upon the altar and The prophets of Baal weren't able to do anything, and it was a great victory, but then it started to rain, and Elijah needed to get back home. And the Bible says that Elijah ran down the hill back home several miles, and Ahab, the king, had to go down in his chariot. And the Bible says that the chariot raced down the hill, and Elijah race down the hill but there were I think angels that came and carried him down the hill and he beat Ahab in his chariot he beat him down the hill and as I was preparing that message and thought about that I thought about the times in your life and my life when you and I don't have the strength to even walk much less run And a couple angels come and get under our arms and we flail our legs, but he takes us down the hill and he carries us to our destination. Write this down. God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes anything. They're all a part of who you are. And all, 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 they're part of who God has shaped you to be so that you can have a ministry to others. Well, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at five ingredients, and there are more than this, but these seem to be very special ingredients that are a part of determining your ministry shape. The first, represented by the letter S, is your spiritual gift or gifts. The second, let's go to the slide, The second is your heart. The third is your abilities or your talents. The fourth is your personality. And the fifth is your experiences. And I want to briefly this morning do an overview of those five ingredients of your ministry or servant shape so that you can kind of begin to get a handle of it. Next week we'll look more specifically At spiritual gifts but today just overview like let's look at spiritual gifts first each man the Bible says each woman has his own gift from God one has this gift another has that and your notes I believe you have the definition of a spiritual gift It's this, a spiritual gift is the special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at the time of their conversion to be used to minister to others and therefore build up the body of Christ. So a spiritual gift is a gift that God gives you. Do we have a slide for this, guys? Is it the next one? There you go. Um, God gives you a gift or maybe a mixture of gifts that you can use in your life, he gives it to you, it's your conversion, and you use that gift to minister to others around you who need to know Christ or who already know Christ and you build up their lives. It's given by him and you use it in your ministry to others to help them. Just look at those gifts. There's about 20 of them that are listed there. Some say there are more. I don't think that this is an exhaustive list. I think they're quite likely many more gifts than this, but hospitality, leadership, prophecy, faith, wisdom, service, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, administration. These are all gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. And the three main passages where these gifts occur are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. Some have added added other gifts. Some some believe, and there are some verses that seem to support this, that celibacy is a gift uh, of God. Some have said that martyrdom is a spiritual gift. Um, I'm not sure about that. If it is, it's one that we only use once. Um, (laughs) You got it. You're with it. Just a couple more things I want to say about spiritual gifts. We'll talk more about this next Sunday. But for now, just a couple observations. Discovering your spiritual gifts helps you, helps us, to determine God's will for our lives. Let me help you fill in the blanks, and then I want to give you a little visual that I think will help you understand this. We will know how God has fitted us to serve. We will be more focused in our service, and we will be more fruitful and fulfilled. I have uh, up here with me two tools that are very different. Tell me what you see that is distinctive about this one. It has teeth. What else? It has a handle. Uh, Just looking at it would lend you, would cause you to believe that you're supposed to do something with this other than just with the wooden thing. That's where your hand is supposed to be. And you're probably supposed to cut something because those teeth are very sharp. This is a Hammer, describe it to me, handle, claw, what do you do with this? Pound, this happens to be a framing hammer, so it's really, it's really heavy. And the claw is used to pry up nails. This is used to cut wood. What if I decide that uh, I would like to do some hammering with this tool instead of with this tool? Not going to work. What if I decided that I wanted to cut something and I didn't have this, but I had this It's probably something you tried to do when you were a kid. If you didn't have the other things, you know, you'd get a board and you'd probably whack at it with the sharp point here. The point being that these things have a different design so they're meant to do different things. I think you have it in your notes, but the key to understanding this and the key to understanding your spiritual gift is that form determines function. Form determines function. You know by looking at this that it's meant to bang on something. You know by looking on this that it's meant to cut something. There are also hammers that are much, much smaller than this. And, and they're meant for doing more delicate jobs. Don't use a framing hammer when you're just trying to put in a little tack. So God has, God has uniquely shaped you and the shape that he has given to you uh, kind of determines what your function is going to be. If you try to do something that you're not designed to do, you get frustrated. If you try to do something that maybe, maybe you have the gift of teaching, but you're really only able to teach little kids. Adults scare you to death. Or maybe you're only able to teach adults, and little kids scare you to death. God's uniquely shaped you so that you can have a ministry and you can have results and you can be effective when you understand the gifts that God has given to you. Let me put it this way. You wouldn't think of using a hammer to cut wood. Likewise, a person's spiritual gifts will indicate how he will best minister, form, determines function. The other thing I want to say about spiritual gifts before we move on to heart is that spiritual gifts are only a part of the picture. There's much more in how God has shaped us. Secondly, it's heart. Heart. Uh, Let me use some other words. Uh, passion. Um, Inclinations. Desires. Motivation. Um, you feel the way you do because of your heart. Your heart determines why you say the things you do. Why you act the way you do. Why, why you feel the way you do. You and I each have a a unique uh, physiological heart, um, I'm told that all of our hearts, while they have things in common, all of our hearts beat just a little bit different than everybody else. There's something distinctive about our physiological heart, but there's also something very distinctive about our emotional heart. We we have passion with our emotional heart. If I were to use uh, these names... Let me give you the name, and then you tell me what you think that person's passion is or was. Billy Graham. Mother Teresa. Caring for the poor. How would you describe it in, in spiritual gifts? You'd probably describe it in mercy. What about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Racial justice. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you, you don't have to you don't have to scratch your head and think real hard to, uh, to figure out what, what Eric where, where are you Eric what Eric's passions are music and his personality comes into it too I love watch by the way Eric did you do the music set this morning that was really really good <laughs> That was really good. Um, you, you don't you don't have to try to figure out what makes him tick. Uh, I mean, he's obviously a gifted musician, loves doing it, and the way he does it with his personality. I've told him. I've told him that that if if he could just bottle all that adrenaline, he could probably run Elk River on the adrenaline that comes out of him. I mean, it's just like, you know. It's just just crazy. But that's who he is. That's his personality. That's his giftedness. Music is part of his giftedness. And uh, all of these things kind of blend together to make us who we are. Mary Ellen and I have talked about passion or about heart, and she's told me in times past that she just is not a real passionate person. And it really hasn't been until just I started to go through this series and think about it, I said, honey, every time, every time you meet an international, every time you meet somebody who's a different ethnicity, the light bulb just goes on. I mean, we can be in Walmart or Costco or any place where there are people of color. We both grew up in very, very white I grew up in a real white suburb of Chicago. Mary Ellen grew up on the farm around Isani, a little town called Oxlip. Both of us love different ethnicities, but she just goes nuts i mean she's she 's known Spanish for a long time, and so she if she sees a hispanic i might as I might as well go down the aisle in another aisle and wander around and get five snacks in uh, in Costco before before she's done yakking at him in Spanish and just just loves it. She loves working at the at the at the prison, doing uh, doing pilot outreach because she's just she's just drawn to these Hispanic ladies. Heart. You've all got heart. You've all got some kind of passion. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart the key is delighting in the lord starting with him not starting with oh what's my spiritual gift or what's my path delight yourself in the lord and he will reveal all that stuff to you Amen. your heart thirdly abilities anybody here that does not have any ability y'all have abilities I want you to look at this passage with me that comes out of Exodus chapter 30. Can we have it on the screen, guys? Um, Just think about this as I read it. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, Uri, the son of Ur, the tribe of Judah, and he's filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. He has given, him, he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, Embroiderers in blue, purple, and. Next slide. (laughs) No, I think you missed one. I'll finish it out here. And weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. God gave these guys special skills in the construction of all that was a part of the Old Testament temple. Tabernacle. Unreal. In the Psalms, when people are worshiping, you read of singers, all kinds of instrumentalists and dancers. Noah, thank God, was a shipbuilder. Luke was a physician who traveled itinerantly with Paul on all of his missionary journeys. Paul was a tent maker. Some of our abilities are inborn and inherited. I told the folks that were here last week just as sort of a teaser for today that when I started playing the trumpet back when I was in third grade, Long story, but I learned that I had uh, what's called relative perfect pitch. I can have somebody play a note on a trumpet and I can tell you if I have my back to them what note it is. I, I discovered later on that uh, from my dad that his dad, my grandpa, was, uh, was a piano tuner. And back then, when they tuned the piano, they didn't have electronic devices to, to be able to do what they needed to do. They, they had... Uh, a tuning fork like this. that also has a hollow box in the bottom in order to carry the sound. And that I had inherited something of what my grandfather on my dad's side had. We all have different abilities. And these things contribute to our ministry and can be used for God's glory and for the building up of the body of Christ. Some of these things may not seem spiritual just when we talk about them. But in fact, those talents, those abilities can be used by God in very special ways to minister to the body of Christ and to care for others. Fourthly, personality personality. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11, no one can really know what anyone is thinking or what he is really like except that person himself. Tim L. has defined personality as the combination of inborn traits that subconsciously affect a person's behavior. Let's look at some biblical characters. Look at their personalities. There was Paul. Paul in the letter to Galatians reflects on his life before he was a Christian and this is how he describes himself he says for you have heard of my past I persecuted the church with fanatical zeal and did my best to destroy it I was ahead of most of my contemporaries in the Jewish religion and had a boundless enthusiasm now when Paul got, got saved did God give him a different personality? No, God just redirected the personality that Paul already had. He was already a type A driven kind of person and when he made his mind up to get a job done, it got done. Didn't matter where it took him or how many weeds he had to go through to get to the right place, he just got there. And so it is that God uses people of different personalities. Timothy is described to us as being one who is timid and who had a nervous stomach. Elijah was a melancholic. And James and John had nicknames. They were called the Sons of Thunder. Give you any idea what they were like? Probably like a couple of your kids, Maybe. Sons of Thunder. It's obvious that God didn't use a cookie cutter to shape people uniformly. We are all different. Your personality has to do with your preferred way of responding to the world around you. And we all look at the world around us differently. Guys, bring up the next slide, will you? Don't expect others to view life through your lenses. like to meet that gal sometime god loves variety there's no right or wrong personality personality can be a great blessing but listen to me personality can also be a big problem i've i've pastored for before I retired 45, 46 years and let me tell you that very few church problems are related to theology or doctrine or maybe 75% are related to personality. Am I right? I mean you cut away all the cut away all the debris and everything that keeps you from seeing things the way they really are. And you have to admit that that a lot of the problems that we face in the church, and I know some of them are big problems and some of them don't deal with personality, but a lot of problems boil down to you just can't get along with that person because they're a different personality. It happened in the Bible. During the first missionary trip, Paul decided and Barnabas decided that they would bring along a guy by the name of Mark. John Mark was his full name. I don't know what happened. The Bible doesn't give us any details, but somewhere along the, somewhere along the way, John Mark, just whether he couldn't take it or whether he wanted to go home to Mama, I, I have no idea what it was. We bailed out on him. And before they went on the second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas got into such a row over that Barnabas, the encourager, wanted to take Mark along, and Paul, the A-type, A-plus type driver, said, "Uh uh-uh. And it was such a big fraction that Paul decided to go off with Silas, and um, Barnabas decided to go off with with Mark. And you know what it was? Personality. Personality. So, so you and I have to be very careful, and personality works into our gifting and our shape, but we've got to be very careful that when we work together with other people, we don't just write them off because they don't match our personality. You, you have, you've got to learn, and man, this is hard sometimes, you've got to learn to appreciate the differences between the people in the body of Christ, because that's just the way it is. Do I hear an amen? amen? Okay. And lastly, experiences. I already told you about a couple of mine, but I'd like you to read these verses along with me. Let's read them together. First, it's uh, Romans eight twenty-eight, and second, Philippians chapter one verse twelve. Let's uh, read them together. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And the other one is from Philippians. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Two things I want you to notice. We know this, that in how many things? All things. God works for the good of those who love him. And I want you to notice in the second verse in Philippians, I want you to know, brothers, this is Paul writing, that what has happened to me, what's he talking about? Where did he write Philippians from? Jail. And the Bible tells us, if you read on from those verses, it tells us that because of the fact that Paul was able to spend time in prison, because he preached the gospel, that he got to talk to the whole Roman guard about Jesus. And that the believers outside of prison uh, just, just got fired up in their boldness to share the gospel by seeing how strong Paul was and how he kept going in the midst of tremendous adversity. So Some of the most overlooked factors in uh, determining our ministry that God has called us to and our ministry shape is the experiences that we've had, the spiritual experiences, meaningful times of decision, uh, meaningful times with God, our painful experiences, our our problems, our hurts, our trials, our school of hard knocks. God never wastes a hurt. These are a part of our ministry shape. God has used Mary Ellen and me to minister in churches that were hurting. I'm not a big church developer. I've never been a big church. You know, I don't haven't grown churches from from 200 to 500 or anything like that. But God's Took our first church, which was a difficult situation, and it seemed to it that just about every church we've gone into has had something really hard. And, and to help them re-rethink things through and learn to forgive each other. And that's just that's just who we are. God never wastes a hurt. Your educational experiences, your your vocational experience. What kind of skills did you learn? that have become your abilities and you can use those for God and your your ministry experiences how you have ministered in other churches in other settings what, what I want to do um, is help you come to a clear understanding of how God shaped you so that you can become active so that you can become part of the workforce. There's a a study that was done, and this is a a secular study, but it carries over to the church. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but basically the study revealed that in any given group, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% 20% of the people give 80% of the money. Um, and, and that there, in, in every church there's just a there's just a large group of people who sometimes I think they want to serve but they just don't know how to do it. But God's gifted you every one of you here. Manley came up this morning. You were, both of us were just kind of wandering out there in the lobby and I'd forgotten that i met him before so I came and he shared his testimony with me so I heard it a second time here. And When he got done sharing, I was kind of looking for, I was kind of looking for somebody to pray for me. Just that God would help me to Say the right thing. And I thought, well, why not why not have Manley pray for me? So he and I put our arms around each other and thank you, Manley. Thank you for praying me this morning. I'm done. But God's not done. Lord Jesus you are on the move and I believe that uh, there are many individuals in this room who really want to be on the move with you and so I pray that you would nudge them by your Holy Spirit, and help them to uh, learn what they can about themselves, and that then they would be willing to lay their bodies down as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, pleasing to you, that they might accomplish your purposes in each of their lives. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Before you get up and go, I want to see the last slide. Julie has added one more. Um, Guys, can you pull it up? Is there anybody back there? Um, This gives you the the topics and uh, what's going to take place. And then I think there's one more after that, guys. Not there? Okay, I'll just give it to you verbally. As you leave today, Mary Ellen is going to be at one door. I'll be at the other door. We have a sheet of paper for you to sign up. We need to know how many of you would really like to come and are planning to come to the uh, workshops next Sunday night and the following Sunday night. They'll start at 5.30. I will do my very best and we'll just cut it off. We'll we'll go for one hour and 15 minutes. There will be refreshments. There will be games. It'll be a really fun, interactive time. And I would love to see uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers come along. Uh, You will enjoy being with other adults. I guarantee it. And uh, let's just Plan on that for next, the next two Sundays. The other thing is, I'm going to send out by email uh, this week a, uh, an address that you can go to on email and take a spiritual gifts inventory. And I would encourage all of you to do that and to bring back uh, the results of that inventory with you, uh, with you next Sunday when you come uh, for the morning and then for the evening as well. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day wonderful day. And uh, if you need to come forward and have someone pray for you, uh, there will be prayer teams uh, up here after the service and we'd encourage you to come and be a part of that. God bless you as you go.